The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 13th chapter. Jesus put before the crowds another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to by someone who turned good seed into in his field. But while everyone was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, there were weeds as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you will uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Let anyone with ears listen. The Gospel of the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The gospel we just heard Twyla read for us is from the 13th chapter of the gospel of Matthew. Um, It's the famous parable about the wheat and the tares, or the wheat and the weeds, uh, where a sower goes out and plants good seed in the field. Um, Some evil enemy comes at night, plants weeds, and his servants come and say, hey, after they've grown up a bit, it looks like there are some weeds in the field. Did you use bad seed? Uh, And by the way, should we pull the weeds up? And the landowner says, well, no, just let them grow up together and we'll we'll take care of sorting them out at the harvest. This is the second um, parable about seed that comes up in the Gospel of Matthew, the 13th chapter. Uh, The first one was actually the reading for last week. It's a famous parable called the parable of the sower, uh, where the sower goes out and takes very valuable uh, seed and just throws it indiscriminately all over the place, even on ground that is never going to allow it to grow. And I do want to touch on uh, both of these parables uh, in a a simple way, but I want to get to them uh, by way of what's been going on in uh, the life of my family over the last uh, month or so. And just as there are two parables here in the Gospel of Matthew, the 13th chapter, I sort of have two um, 
stories that relate to each other, um, beginning with one that started in, uh, well, almost a month ago exactly, uh, on June 25th. And uh, that first story involves uh, my wife Amy and I getting our youngest son Andrew out to West Point, which is where he just began studies, um, well, it was supposed to be on June 26th, as you will hear. Um, has anyone seen the movies, uh, movie Trains, Planes, and Automobiles? Our, our trip out to West Point was a little like that, but without the comic relief. Um, I, did anyone travel on June 25th or early in the week of June 26th by any chance? Anyone? Did you, did you do okay? Were you, you were fine? Okay, well, good for you. We, we were not. Um, I'm still not honestly sure if it was weather or if it was the Canadian wildfires or, fires or a combination of both, uh, but Andrew had to report to West Point. He's a first-year student there, a plebe. Uh, his reporting time was 11 o'clock on Monday, June 26th. Uh, so we, you know, we had a ticket bought for the three of us on the afternoon of Sunday, June 25th. Not one, not two, not three, but four flight cancellations later, we realized, looks like we probably have to drive. Uh, we tried to fly to Newark, we tried to fly to Hartford, we tried to fly through St. Louis to Newark, and we tried once more in a desperate attempt to go direct to Newark. None of them worked. Um, anyone know where New York is? <laughs> it's a long drive, especially when you're leaving later than you had hoped. Um, and by the way, our plan, we rented a car actually, our plan was to drive out, and then obviously we'd be able to fly back, right? And I won't bore you with all the details, but that ended up not working out either. Um, and turns out driving back is just as long as driving there. Um, so it was, uh, in all seriousness, it was kind of a nightmare. As I'm talking about it, I have a feeling my wife is breaking into hives right now. Um, however, I want to be very clear about a couple things. Uh, one, the Academy of West Point was incredibly uh, understanding. Andrew was not the only new cadet who was impacted by the travel cancellations. Uh, in fact, there was another new cadet from Minnesota and South Dakota who arrived about five minutes after he did, so the three of them were able to um, be processed at the same time. And uh, the other thing is that Andrew's doing well. We have heard from him um, with a, a few cards. We had a chance to talk to him last Sunday, and he's doing great. So thank you for the prayers, for him and for us. For those of you who have had kids go off to basic training, which is basically what he's doing, um, it's harder on the parents, honestly, I think, than the kids, because you're not allowed to be in touch with them by text or email or phone call. Um, so we were very relieved to hear his voice, but he seems to be thriving. Uh, and we're really great, grateful to the community that's been praying for him and lifting him up. So thank you for that. So anyway, that was all kind of a train wreck. Um, and we ended up getting back uh, about a day and a half or two days later than we had hoped, which was kind of significant because later that week, Friday, June, what, uh, 31st, uh, we were going to fly out for a very long planned trip to the United Kingdom. Um, so we had to sort of rush a little bit more frantically and frenetically than we had planned to get ready for that trip. Uh, and in honesty, after four canceled flights, until that flight was wheels up, I was not convinced we were actually gonna get there. 
but that flight was uneventful, and indeed we arrived in London on uh, Saturday morning, July 1st, and have been, we, we returned uh, last Monday. Those of you who have heard me preach for a long time, you know that I'm a huge Anglophile. I had the great privilege of traveling to England when I was in high school, uh, low these many years ago, and ever since then I've been wanting to get back. So this trip has been a bit of a dream for me, and Amy, uh, I think, also enjoyed it, uh, even though it was more uh, Tim's dream than her dream. Uh, and I could talk for a long, long time about the sights we saw and the people we had the privilege of visiting. It was a little bit of a study trip for me, so we visited all kinds of churches. We worshiped at a number of churches. Um, I was able to connect with some pastors in the UK, which was a wonderful opportunity uh, to compare notes. As I think I've mentioned, one of those pastors, um, his title is the presentor of Westminster Abbey, uh, which means he's responsible for the worship life of the Abbey, which includes things, if you've noticed over the last year, like coronations and royal funerals. Um, so he, Mark Birch is his name, will be with us next October, October 26th, Thursday the 26th, mark it on your calendars. Um, he'll be here, and um, I can't wait for him to join us. It's going to be a wonderful presentation. I had a lovely conversation with him. Uh, we had the great, great privilege of worshiping at a number of other, other churches as well and saw all kinds of, of fabulous sites, um, which I'm happy to bore you with sometime if you'd like to hear about them. And as I mentioned, uh, again, no pressure at all, but if you'd like to see some images from that trip, and if you're on Instagram, uh, check out my Reflections on Faith uh, channel there. I do want to drive, bring us back to the gospel, and I want to do that by way of sort of one particular event that happened while we were in the UK. Uh, if, if there were sites connected to a particular British author uh, that I am interested in, who do you think that might be? Yes, you've learned well. C.S. Lewis, who's one of my absolute favorites. And so we did spend a little time in Oxford where he taught for about three decades. Uh, we were able to visit his house. His house has a name, the Kilns, because on the site of his house were kilns for, for firing pottery. Has anyone been to the kilns by any, way, any chance here? Um, we visited the college at Oxford he taught at for about three decades, Maudlin College, which was wonderful. I got to see uh, from the outside anyway the offices he worked in and walked along a path called Addison's Path, which was very important uh, in his autobiography. Uh, and we worshipped, uh, or we visited the church where he worshipped, Holy Trinity at Headington Quarry is the name of the church. That also happens to be where he's buried in the beautiful, you know, sort of iconic, small, intimate cemetery right outside of the church. And of course, I've studied C.S. Lewis, so I kind of knew what to expect at all of these places. I knew a little bit about the church. I actually was able to sit in the pew that he sat in. There's a little brass plaque there. Uh, there's a small window in his honor that has some characters from Narnia that's very touching. Um, so all of that in some ways was expected. What I wasn't expecting was that as we entered the church, and this is going to bring us back to the gospel for today and for last week, uh, that I would be listening to, uh, turns out it was the assistant curate for that parish, up front in the front of the sanctuary, teaching little children from the parish about what? The parable of the sower. And I actually, I didn't interrupt her. I, I would have been happy to introduce myself if she wasn't preoccupied with kids, but I, I couldn't hear everything she was saying or what they were saying, uh, but clearly that was the topic. 
So I did reach out to her um, by email after we were back in the States and just asked if uh, there were any interesting, I don't know, thoughts from the kids. And by the way, her name is Emily. Emily, if you ever are watching this, thank you so much for your uh, generous uh, email of response to, to my question to you. Um, and she shared some of what the, the children were thinking about. One of the kids had just been gardening with uh, his grandmother earlier in the day. One of them had pulled some weeds and had thrown them in the air and now was worried that they had blown and taken root somewhere. Uh, they talked a lot about how hard it is to garden uh, and other things. It was, it was very delightful. But the thing that struck me and the very simple but profound point I want to make this morning is this. You know, you go to a place like England and, at least for me, you are struck by the history of the place. Not just a century or two centuries or three you know, but five or eight centuries ago, or even a millennia ago. And all of that is really important. I actually do think history is important. I think it's important to know where we come from. I think it's important for us to understand who we are and the people who came before us, including people like C.S. Lewis. But when I watched that uh, assistant curate talking to the children at the front of Holy Trinity in Headington, um, I was reminded that, yes, the history is important, but our faith is not just about the past. It's not some dusty thing that lives on shelves, but rather is about what God is doing here and now, among other things, through those young children who were learning stories that Christians have been hearing told now for 2,000 years. We had a great trip, as I said, I will be happy to tell you more about it, but I also want you to hear this loud and clear. I was really excited to come back. And part of the reason for that is precisely related to this fact that God is at work here today. And one way to understand those parables, not the only way, but an important way, is that the seed that's being discussed in either the parable of the sower or the wheat and the tares is all of you. And that God is planting you here and now and praying and nourishing and sustaining you so that you might bear fruit for a world that is hungry, so that you might bear some beautiful flowers for a world that is far often too dark and dreary. And I am uh, excited to be able to see again as we continue to look to God's hope-filled future, how God will use us here in this place to do just that. So my prayer for each of us, and I'm gonna pray for this in just a moment, is that we will receive the nourishment, the nutrition, the water, the sun that God is giving us metaphorically so that we can accomplish God's purposes in this place. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Loving God, we thank you for the gift of summer, and we thank you for the gift of travel, and we thank you for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world, including in the United Kingdom, and I give thanks for each and every person that I had the high privilege of meeting while we were there recently. But we also give you thanks today, God, for planting us as your seeds in this place. We pray that you will nourish us and sustain us so that we might bring your love to a world in need. And all this we pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.